Hello and welcome to Punch a Hole in the Wind, a look at some of the great thoroughbred racehorses who have graced our tracks all around the world over the last century or so. I'm Ollie Hine, and it's great of you to join me on this exciting trip down memory lane. My aim is to both remind you of some of your heroes from years gone by, but also to introduce you to some others whom you may not be so familiar with. In this episode, we're going back to the United States and specifically the 1950s, to explore a champion of that era, Native Dancer, whose subsequent influence was multifaceted. That said, Native Dancer was utterly odious. He was on record as lifting sleeping grooms by his teeth until they screamed, pulling riders off other horses during exercise by tugging hard at their legs, roaring in anger if anyone entered his field, and launching a collie over a six-foot fence because he didn't like the look of that dog. His apologists called him playful, but you don't have to be nice to be great. And Native Dancer certainly was great, with a far wider impact on racing than his 22 starts alone would suggest. Owned and bred by Alfred Vanderbilt Jr. and trained by Bill Winfrey, his unrepentant schadenfreude was first taken out on his mother, Geisha. Standard horse gestation is 11 months, but Native Dancer refused to budge for an extra month, coming out predictably huge and causing understandable pain to his poor dam. Native Dancer would ultimately be built like an absolute tank, 16.3 hands of rippling, stocky muscle, completed by a striking, dappled grey coat. Mature early on at two, he raced nine times that season and was unbeaten throughout. Ranging between five and eight and a half furlongs, he mixed the styles up, sometimes pushing on early from the front, sometimes coming with a blitz from behind. After his first easy victory, he would start odds-on in every race thereafter, mainly that year in Saratoga and Belmont. Winning margins weren't usually spectacular, but there was an air of inevitability about each one, and in the Belmont Futurity over six and a half furlongs, he stamped that authority by tying the world record for that distance at 1 minute 14 and 2 fifth seconds, despite still being a juvenile. In the parade ring beforehand, Winfrey had offered regular jockey Eric Guerin his regular advice. Just ride him with confidence as if Guerin had any other option when riding this surly grey missile. But such were his performances that he was made Horse of the Year for 1952, an honour never hitherto achieved by a juvenile in the US. Expectations were therefore huge for his three-year-old season. But, crucially, so were TV audiences. The advent of TVs in most homes across America and Europe meant more races could be watched live, and the sport built up its sizeable fan base yet further. In the US, Native Dancer was almost solely responsible for that, becoming a cult favourite from early on, partly due to his immense ability, and partly because of his striking colouring, which still stood out on black and white TV sets. And it is worth stressing just how much so many owners, trainers and punters still had issues with grey horses, even in the 1950s, Famed racing author Joe Hirsch reflected, Greys were just different. It was a sense of racism, I suppose. And indeed, 
70 years before, they very nearly died out of the thoroughbred line altogether, rescued by French stallion Le Sancy, who is present in the pedigree of every single grey runner you see today. But unequivocally, Native Dancer was the grey that finally dispelled the anti-grey prejudice in the US once and for all. The grey ghost, as he was now lovingly referred to, carried on where he left off, with facile victories in the Gotham Stakes and Wood Memorial. But then the bubble burst in the big one. Considered a shoe-in for the Kentucky Derby, Native Dancer suffered his one and only defeat. No one, however, blamed the horse. Jockey Eric Guerin did not have his finest hour, dropping Native Dancer too far back off a slow pace, getting badly bumped wide out on the back stretch, and then almost stopping at the top of the home stretch behind a wall of horses on the rail. As one journalist so memorably put it, he took the colt just about every place on the track except the ladies' room. A typical storming run in the last furlong came too late, with Dark Star, under a much cannier ride, prevailing by a rapidly diminishing neck. His huge following were crestfallen. But swift consolation followed in the Withers Stakes, before he took the other two legs of the Triple Crown in workmanlike fashion. By now, the uppity native dancer was running only as it pleased him, and it was clear to spectators that he knew he could win, but only he would choose how. Later, he decided to up his game, and in the summer ran at his peak, knocking off the Dwyer Stakes at Aqueduct before coming back to a mile for the Arlington Classic, where, clearly in the mood, he gave each of his rivals six pounds in weight and trounced them by nine lengths. There was then drama in the American Derby at Washington Park. With Guerin suspended, Eddie Arcaro took the ride, and arriving at post, thought the grey ghost might be lame and considered withdrawing. Deciding to proceed, he settled his mount near the back, and when he got no immediate response at the home turn, Arcaro gave him a crack of the whip. Native Dancer took off even more aggressively than usual, and won going away by two lengths. Some thought it courage, but more likely it was fear. Much later in his life at Stud, stories continued of how, when riders went to see him carrying a whip prominently, Native Dancer would just about behave. When there was no visible whip, he would unhesitatingly try to harm them. But Arcaro's instinct may have been right. He was next prepared for a whole new challenge, a face-to-face -face in the Sisonby Stakes with the magnificent Tom Fool. But his lameness kept returning, and it was decided to put him away for the rest of the season to aid his recovery. Tom Fool found it rather easy to take that race, and indeed all the others that year, to earn the Horse of the Year award for 1953. It had been something of a toss-up either way, with most racegoers just happy to have two such greats on their courses at the same time. With top four-year-olds in the US at the time only facing the prospect of hideous weights and the big handicaps, there were international ambitions for him to go either to the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth stakes at Ascot, or the Prix de Lac de Triomphe at Longchamp. Meanwhile, his loyal fans adored him even more, and Native Dancer made the cover of Time magazine on the 31st of May that year. First, however, he'd settled back in with a conditions race before a dramatic win in the Metropolitan Handicap, giving up to £24 to his eight rivals, 
and still seven lengths adrift with two furlongs to go, he decided to start trying, unleashed his monumental stride, and charged to the lead with a neck to spare. But, after another nine-length handicap win in Saratoga, he again displayed lameness in training, and Connections realised that the international dream had to be shelved. He was gracefully retired after a truly outstanding racing career. That he was made Horse of the Year for 1954, despite having run only three races, a record low, felt more like a reflection of his career overall than that year alone. But his legacy went much deeper. First, as US TV's first racing superstar, he galvanised an interest in watching live racing that continues fervently to this day. We can only assume that the new fans watching on TV were oblivious to the fact that in the flesh, their hero displayed all the charm of an ingrowing toenail. And second, his success at stud was so profound as to be all-conquering. There were now very few US horses who don't in some way trace their lineage back to him, usually via his grandsons Northern Dancer and Mr Prospector. In the 2018 Kentucky Derby, and 2015 Belmont Stakes, for example, every single runner was his descendant. Native Dancer, by now a huge pure white bull of a stallion, fell ill on the 14th of November 1967, and during necessary surgery that evening, a tumour and 10 foot or 3 metres of intestine were removed to ease his discomfort. But the grey gave up the ghost 36 hours later. Not many of Native Dancer's offspring share his grey coat, but it seems that many have inherited traits of his grumpy character. Very few, however, are quite as brilliant as he was. Next time, we'll go to a different part of the world and explore the exploits of another great horse from another era who could punch a hole in the wind. But until then, this is Ollie Hine signing off and saying thank you for listening.